You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Okay, good morning. My name is Rachel Kane. Uh, for those of you who I have not met yet, and so first, I'm just going to pass out some handouts while I um, introduce myself. So maybe I'll just split these these up. So here's the first one. Actually, I'll you have more people okay. over there. And here are those. And then we'll get to this second sheet in a little bit. But um, here you go. And then um, thanks so much. Yeah, so while y'all are passing those out, I'll just introduce myself. Um, so yeah, I'm Rachel Kane, and I am the junior high director here at the Advent. And it is my pleasure to just come and speak to y'all this morning. So a little bit about my background is that I grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, so not too far from here. And I grew up as a pastor's kid with two loving parents and three three siblings, so kind of a a big family and so then grew up and went to the University of Alabama and um, and then there I majored in yeah uh, it's called um, family studies so yeah human development and then I minored in speech pathology so during my college time it was a wonderful four years but upon graduating I was really just prayerful over, you know, where does the Lord want me um, next? And so I knew it was probably going to be ministry, but I, you know, wasn't sure where. So I was really praying about whether that was in America, overseas, high school, college, you know, all of that. And the Lord called me to go overseas to um, yeah, serve there in China, actually. So I've been there this past year. And it was the coolest year ever of just ministry, doing uh, just yeah, discipleship with college students there who really have never heard of the gospel or Jesus. And so then, upon like the kind of the, the end of the year, I was deciding, you know, what what's next, Lord? And it was so um, sweet that He just kind of kept putting the church on my heart over and over, you know, as I would like read scripture and. Then I really was like, you know what? I really want to work within the the local church, and so started to interview different places, and interviewed with um, Cameron, and now I am here, and I am so delighted um, just to to be here and uh, working with the uh, junior high students. So it has been so fun this past, I guess it's like a, a month and a half. Um, it's already flying by. So yeah, so that is. Um, just a little bit about me, and I'm just so happy to to be here and hope to get you know get to know all of you more as I'm here in this church. So today we're going to continue to talk about this kind of gospel identity that uh, Tucker and Cameron have talked about in previous weeks, and today we're going to talk on adoption. So kind of the overview that you see on your your outline that we're going to go over the meaning of adoption and the then the new privileges of adoption then thirdly the threat to adoption and then the cost of adoption so 
Um, if you have a Bible and or your, your iPhone or smartphone, whatever, you can turn there in your Bible to Ephesians 1. Um, or you can also listen to my lovely voice to just read it if you would like to. So, yeah, Ephesians 1 and it's verses 3 to 14. This is the word of God. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were in the first to, uh, to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in, in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, just thank you so much and we praise you for your word, Father. And we praise and magnify your name that you are the Father of all mercies and steadfast love and peace, Lord. And I just pray right now that you will put a hedge of protection around us, guard my mouth, and may your gospel truth fall not on deaf ears, but on hearts that are eager and ready to learn and to be molded by you and shaped, dear Lord. And we just pray all of this in your holy mattress name. Amen. So in prepping for this talk, I uh, talked to my dad a little bit and kind of told him what I was going to be talking about. And so so he's a, a pastor, but he also kind of shared this story and gave me permission to um, to tell y'all. So this story is a a yeah, little story about my dad and my little brother. And my little brother, Austin, was about eight years old and he was playing a little league baseball game and they were coming down to the last inning and Austin's team was ahead by a few runs. The bases were, were loaded with two outs. The batter for the other team hits the ball to second base where my brother is. And just as my brother is preparing to get the ball, he lifts his glove up off the ground and the ball goes through to the outfield. The other team scores three more runs. The crowd goes wild and the other team wins. And then just as the crowd is quieting down, my dad shouts out, son, get your glove on the ground. So when we went home that night and as my dad is putting my little brother to bed, he gets ready to pray for him as he's just laying there. And then Austin 
looks up with really, really big tears in his eyes. And he says, Dad, you're always talking about being a good sport. And it's more important how you play the game over whether or not you win. But it seems to me, Dad, that all you care about is winning. So after my dad pulled that dagger out of his heart, <laughs> he, he was just like, oh, man. He's like, son, you're absolutely right. I did care more about winning that game, and it was wrong of me to shame you in front of all your friends. And I need to ask you to forgive me. Will you forgive me, Austin? And so then they prayed together and um, they were reconciled. But this story of just a performance-based acceptance um, just really, you know, triggered my dad's heart, and uh, it just illustrates how we, you know, left to ourselves. We get our identity from performance, and we even put our children on a performance treadmill. Um, and our love and acceptance can be conditioned based on that performance. And this is why it is so important to understand that our identity comes from being an adopted child of God. And just yeah, knowing who we are in Christ changes our, our view of God and of ourselves and of others, like our children. So... Um, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about is adoption. So first off, what is adoption? Adoption, um, there is a uh, definition kind of in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 34, and it says that adoption is an act of God's free grace whereby we are received into the number of the sons of God and have a right to all the privileges of being a son. So, yeah, we are that basically adoption is just an act of God's free grace. And then we just get all the, the yeah, pr- uh, privileges of being his sons and daughters. And so kind of how how are we to receive this wonderful gift of adoption? So in verse four of Ephesians one, it, it talks about how he, you know, he chose us before the foundation of the world to be adopted as his children. We were marked out in advanced and then in verse 7 it says how we have received um, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us so this is how we receive adoption through Jesus Christ and so then also John 1 12 says but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God so that's basic, you know, a basic verse about the gospel and how we are to become his children, to believe in his name, and then we have the right to become children of God. So this means that when God chose you before the foundation of the world, he chose you to be his holy, blameless, loving child. It also means that he chose his son to die for you and for your children. And so the ground of your inheritance is not only that the Son of God died for you, but that God planned it that way from the very beginning. This just shows you how loved you are, that he would create this plan to rescue you and to rescue me and to make us his adopted children. So this, uh, just kind of hearing the word adoption made me think of the movie or um, the 
something Annie, you know, Annie Warbucks. So that's kind of the classic adoption story that we that, that I think of that goes from being an, an orphan to being an adopted child. And so thinking about kind of her story, she did nothing to receive this adoption. And it was an act of free grace. And but but then she got all of the privileges of being adopted by Daddy Warbucks. And so in that mansion and everything. So we are in a very similar way, but not completely, are kind of like Annie, that uh, we did nothing to receive adoption as God's children. But we have the new privileges. And so so now I would just like to share some of the new privileges that come out of this gift of adoption. So first, we have a new leader, a new father. So, which is such good news. So kind of we can see about God's character in this new leader that you know, he is our perfect heavenly father. He is our comfort, our shield, protector, provider, peace, joy, and hope. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. We have a new daddy, a perfect heavenly daddy. And so this made me think of my boss Cameron when he puts his his son to bed. You know, he says, you know, mommy and daddy love you, but who loves you most? And then Hutch says, Jesus loves me the most. And so that's what we have to remember as we are these adopted children, as he is our new leader, our new father. And so kind of what does this say about for us as as mankind that you know Jesus he wants us to be part of his family he is our our shepherd so we can follow him and we are his his sheep and so when we stray away from the flock he comes and and he finds us rescues us and carries us back so we don't have to be afraid of being a child we can just rest in his arms and depend fully on him and so we have the perfect heavenly father, which means the greatest news that we do not have to be perfect um, children or perfect parents. And so our children already have the perfect parent, the ultimate daddy, God, the father who will never leave them and never forsake them. So this is really good news for us that we do not have to perform and be the ultimate father or parent. So secondly, another privilege that we have is that we have a new uh, intimacy with our, our father, our new leader. And so in verse three, it talks about, and it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He is a father who blesses us. And then in verse five, it says, in love, in love, he chose us to be his adopted children. So out of his great love, that's why he he wanted each of us to be in his family, not just so like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll have Rachel in my family. It's fine. He said, I in my great love for you, he wanted to adopt us. And then we can also cry, Abba, Father. And so in Romans 8:15, it just talks about that, how how we can can cry out to you know to him abba father which is kind of like saying you know daddy and so which is great news cuz then we can speak to god the way that jesus speaks to him too 
And so the picture of this is is not really of a believer resting quietly in his father's arms in a childlike faith, but of a child who has tripped and fallen maybe and is crying out in pain, you know, daddy, daddy. And so in that same way, we can also view our new leader, our new father in this intimate way. Um, and as we cry, daddy, daddy, you know, Abba, father, um, it is just a sweet way of, of really needing him. And so we can kind of ask ourselves, you know, like where, where do you look in your time of need and pain is your first response to look towards your heavenly father. And so what's so great is that we can look to him and, um, it is just so wonderful. And so another part of this new intimacy that I was thinking about is, you know, how can we show this to our children and to those who might be younger than us? And, one way I was thinking of is that we can model this. And so in my college years, I studied yeah, uh, human development and um, we I learned about Albin, Albert Bandura's uh, social learning theory. That's And he said this, according to uh, social learning theory, behaviors can also be learned through observation and modeling by Observing the actions of others, including parents and peers, children, then develop new skills and acquire new information. And so I thought of modeling. This is one way that we can show his great love to others and to our, our children. And so we can call out and be needy to him and ask him for help. And so our children need to see that we are being vulnerable. We are, are weak. And I think one way I saw this growing up was my my mom, who is just one of the wisest women that I know. She just really modeled this in a way that I saw, you know, her need for Christ, but also my need too. And so, so often she would just kind of stop in in our weakness, you know, time whether we're in the car, you know, going to practice wherever. But just stop and and pray, you know, giving all of our requests to God because he he cares. And so I think that is just one way that we can model that for our children is to show that we are weak. And in those times of weakness, we can give all of it to our sweet heavenly father. And sometimes, you know, as a child talks to their parent at times, like a, a three year old, you know, asking why all you know, the just, you know, continuing on and on. And question after question, this is kind of how we can also talk to God in this very intimate and close way, but also becoming needy like a little child. And so uh, also in thinking about just being a child, I read this quote by J.I. Packer, which says, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. And having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. So this view of just being a child means that we can be grow in our intimacy with our new leader. So we've now talked about two of the new privileges that we have as adopted children. So we have 
a new leader, we have new intimacy, and then thirdly, we have a new family. So you who were spiritually orphans before now have a new family, a place to belong, a, a community, which is the body of Christ. So our salvation is not simply a transition out of condemnation into acceptance, but out of bondage and dissolution into a safety certainty and enjoyment of the family of God. So there's a couple at my church from back home where my parents go and they have really been struggling with infertility for years now. And so after months and months of just struggling and being just so sad that they've not been able to have children of their own, they decided to start this process of adoption. And so during this season of, of waiting, this sister in in Christ, you know, she's just been reminded that she is the daughter of the Most High King and that the Father knows the desires of her heart. And so a really cool piece of, of news is that my friends found out this past week that they are a potential match for this baby being born really soon in a uh, different state. So once they heard this awesome news, they just dropped everything that they had. You know, this is news that they've been longing for and waiting for. And so they just dropped it all to go in in hopes of adopting their new child. And so the beauty of, of all of this is that, Lord willing, if they if this adoption goes through, that this sweet baby is not only going to get wonderful, godly parents, but this child's also going to get a big community and family. And so I think that that's just one of the greatest joys in life is having family. Um and so having siblings, parents, uncles, and aunts. And so we can just be so grateful to God that we now have this new family that we are in as adopted sons and daughters of God. And so next, another new privilege that we have is that we have a new inheritance, as it talks about here in Ephesians 1. And in verse 11, it says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So we have this new inheritance and it, this Greek verb to allot a portion. Um, and so we are placed in his royal family and we have this gift of eternal life forever with Jesus. In Romans 8.17, it kind of talks about what it means to be an heir, an heir to the throne of God. And it, it um, says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellows, heirs with Christ. So this is our new inheritance that you and I, that we would be an, an heir to all that God owns. And so in uh, one of my favorite songs or favorite artists, it's by All Sons and Daughters. It says, this my inheritance um, is the, the title. And some of the lyrics read as follows, that this my inheritance will never spoil or fade until he comes, my salvation in heaven kept by faith. This my inheritance, God's power will be its shield through Jesus Christ, the only light by which it is revealed. This my inheritance through suffering and trial, more worth than gold, our only hope in faith our song will rise. This my inheritance that none can take away, not even death with my last breath, I'll see my Savior's face. 
So this is our inheritance that is the greatest thing, that it is more worth than gold, and it's our only hope. And death cannot take it away. So we have a, a great inheritance, and this is great news. So we have a new leader, new intimacy, new family, new inheritance. So fifthly, we have a new assurance. So we are, are sealed, and we seal this, see this uh promise of being sealed in verse 13 when it says in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised holy spirit so the holy spirit protects and preserves christians until they reach their inheritance and being part of his royal family his chosen ones bear this royal seal and this um, the the word guarantee is just kind of like a it's a down payment it's a, of our salvation and so God pours out His Holy Spirit on all of His children to guarantee that down payment of their share in His eternal kingdom. And so another quote that I also just loved about assurance. Is uh, is by J. C. Ryle, who was an Anglican pastor from uh, yeah uh, Liverpool, England, in the late 1800s. And J. C. Ryle said, "Assurance sets a child of God free from this painful kind of bondage. It enables him to feel that the great business of life is a settled business. The great debt is a paid debt. The great disease is a healed disease, and the great work is a finished work." And all other businesses, diseases, debts, and works are then by comparison small. In this way, assurance makes him patient in tribulation, calm during times of grief and sorrow, not afraid of bad news in every uh, condition, content, for it gives him a settledness of heart. So because of this new assurance, new promise, that we can never be taken away, that we are his adopted children. It just gives us a settledness of heart. And this helps me to live, you know, as a true and believe that I'm truly an adopted daughter of, of Christ. And so that is our new assurance. So lastly, another privilege, yeah, privilege that we have is that we have a new name. And this, this new name is that we are adopted children of God. And so, so many times I can kind of take pride in, in my name. So when a person asks me, you know, who are you? Like, and then I'm like, oh, well, I'm Rachel Kane. And then I have, or as a child, I would say, oh, I'm a Kane. I'm a, you know, I'm a daughter of Dick and Scotty Kane or Austin Kane's my brother, that kind of thing. And, but that is not my identity. It doesn't lie here on earth in my family here. My identity is that I'm a child of God, that I'm an adopted daughter of the King. And so that's also what you know you can say too. So who does the Father say that you are? He says that you are an adopted child of God. And who does the Father say that your child is? An adopted child of God. And this this name trumps all other names. And so that is just 
it's a, a beautiful new name to remember and to, to cling to and to really understand that we are adopted children of God. So, you know, how does this change the way that we approach like parenting and leading, you know, students and stuff? So now if you will turn to the other, this page um, that says spiritual orphans and sons exercise, this right here is really just a kind of tool by which, oh yeah, if you don't have one, there's more on this, this table. If you don't have a, um, spiritual orphans, um, okay, great. Everyone has one. So this sheet is really just a tool guide by which we can, you know, see in, in our hearts, the way that we tend to be orphans. And so the like threat to adoption is that we tend to think like orphans sometimes, but that is not our identity anymore. And and then even our children can also have the mindset of an, an orphan. And so, uh, yeah, you you can kind of see at the top it says the orphan, and it um, you know that Jesus says I will not leave you as orphans. And then we also see the whole son side of it that Romans eight you know says that we can cry out Abba Father. And so briefly, I just want to. Uh, talk about the first three on the left-hand side of the orphan side and um, just briefly talk about these because they, from my understanding and observation of teenagers today, these three are humongous in, in just what teens struggle with. And so first, how they tend to feel alone. And so many of these students have just come out of a really egocentric stage of development and so where all eyes are are on me and it and negative attention can just feel completely horrifying and you probably heard that from you know your 13 year old daughter that's like I had to sit on my face and everyone was staring at me you know and that that's how that feels and it's it's horrible um but then so in times like that we can just pray for ourselves and for our children to really believe first John 4:16, which says, you know, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and abides in him. So we can pray that over our, our children. And then also feeling anxious. I feel like so many children that is one of the greatest <coughs> issues and problems that children have today from being really young also up to like 18 years old um and so just really praying over to understand that our identity is not in in and how we do but in in whose we are and so part of that is understanding matthew 6 25 which just talks about uh that you know like look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So just, um, and then in, in the verse prior, it actually says, you know, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or what your, or about your body, what you will put on. Is this life, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? And so just really knowing that God loves us and is going to provide for us, and that we do not have to be anxious. And so. And then kind of looking at the uh, third box on, on the left side that, you know, we tend to live on a performance treadmill, as my dad always puts it. And so we can now, as sons and daughters of God, live for an audience of one. 
And that one is, you know, Jesus Christ who will never fail or reject me. And so, so many times we have the fear of, of like failure, but this, this just changes the way that we view our father in heaven. And so many times how our children, you know, perform in school on sports teams at church and in friend groups feels like a reflection of us as parents. Um, but our heavenly father does not judge us based on our grades, how many AP classes we take, how well we play in a game or how popular we are. It doesn't matter how we do or what college we attend. How beautiful is this great news that we are broken pots of, of clay, but he just, you know, uses us for his glory. And so another thing that a friend told me this week that was super convicting was to kind of fill in this following statement. So blank is a good thing, but a terrible God. You know, I was like, well, football is a good thing, but a terrible God, a terrible idol. Income is a good thing, but a terrible God. Well, children are a good thing, but a terrible God. So my hope is just that we would become a community of believers that will, you know, help, you know, use this paper as a, a guide to just pray for us and to pray for our children that our identity will rest in the fact that we are God's chosen adopted children. So please use this as you, you go out and, um, just pray over yourself and your children. And so because of, um, like yeah, Jesus has adopted us as children, so we can change our song from singing as, as Annie uh, Warbucks sang, it's a hard knock life for us, which is the orphan mindset on the left side, to the, the, the sun will come out tomorrow, bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. So that is much more of an adopted child mindset. So as we can just see here, prayer is really just the best tool to combat the threats to adoption. So lastly, um, I just want to talk about the cost of adoption. So Ephesians 1.5 really just hits this point, And it says, he predestined us for adoption. Well, in his love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And we just see in that, you know, how do we have this adoption? It is through Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him who to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, as I said earlier... I studied in uh, China this past year, and, and I had to study the language, which is a very difficult language, and I'm very poor at speaking Chinese. But in studying, I learned this very, very cool old character, this ancient character that just has so much gospel meaning, and it is the character for righteousness. And it is, it's E, and it's um, the the true uh, characters. It is two put together Um and it is actually right here. I printed this off. That it, this part means lamb, and this part means me. So it's yang over wool. That the the lamb is is over me. And this this character, the definition is um, is justice, righteous, meaning, and foster adopted relationship and friendship. And the um, term Idza, which is part of, which is this character, Idza means adopted son. 
And so we can think about this, that when, when God sees you, he sees Jesus because he sees the lamb, his great sacrifice that is poured out over me that we might become righteous and we might become adopted sons of God. So that is just a beautiful picture that I kind of hold on to that, you know, he is the, the great sacrifice and why we can be, you know, righteous and be his sons and daughters. Um, and so also, um, I think so many times back to just how I tend to be on a performance treadmill and trying to have a, a validating performance record that opens doors. You know, it's like why we get good grades to go to a good college, to get a good job, to be successful. But the good news is that there's one validating performance record that opens doors to heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. And so C.S. Lewis said, The Son of God became a man to enable the sons of men to become the sons of God. This just radically changes the way that we view ourselves, view our father, and the way that we view and parent our children today. So when you mess up as a parent, like my dad did with my brother during that baseball game, it's okay. It's completely fine. And that reason is because your child already has the perfect parent, and you already have the perfect parent. And that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So understanding and believing that we are adopted children of God just causes our, our hearts to sing praises to him. And so many times as I was prepping for this talk, I really just, all these songs came, you know, came to mind. But one of them that came to mind automatically was how deep the Father's love for us, which I don't know if any of you have really heard of that song or sung it before. But the uh, lyrics, first little stanza, goes like this. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. We are the wretch that he made his treasure. And so, going out from here, you know, you, who are you? Who does the, the Father say that, that you are? And who does the Father say that your child is? An adopted child of God. This is your new name, and this is your new identity. So... That is all that I have, and I will pray for us, and then we can can go out from here. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we praise and magnify your holy name, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. You are our good shepherd, Father, and you are the ultimate father, and we are your children, God, and we, we praise you so much for that. And I just pray that these gospel truths of Ephesians 1 and the concept of adoption will just grip our hearts that we might know whose we are in you and who our, our family is, who our children are, and that we are adopted children of God, Father. Uh, and will that just make us sing praises to you and cause our hearts just to pray, pray, pray praises back to you, Lord. And we just um, pray now that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts will ple be pleasing and acceptable to you, God. You are our rock and our redeemer and our perfect heavenly father. And we pray all this in your matchless name. Amen. Amen.
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.